In-Depth Podcast, Episode 7, Welcome to Jake Wall. Welcome back to the Duck Podcast, Episode 7, uh, Welcoming the J-Quad. Um, so uh, today we're going to talk about a few things. Um, today is, uh, we're together here because it's my sort of birthday party thing today, uh, so we got it all set up in my basement. Um, so yeah, how's it going, Kevin? I am quite alive, as usual. We just finished up our exam week at school, so that's pretty good, and starting semester two, so pretty interesting. I've got a pretty intense schedule, but uh, I think it'll be good. Me, for the first time since junior high, I won't have a construction class at the end of the day to look forward to. Boo. Oh, really? Have you always had construction class at the end? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have one teacher for like half the day, so... That's interesting. Right. J-Quad. Yay, J-Quad. So, uh, first item on the agenda is, uh, of course, J-Quad, or the um, somewhat infamous Hackintosh project that Lifehacker has been quite popular for so far. Um, I decided to build my own, so I I went with the uh, Antec Quiet Case Sonata. Sonata 3 is what it's called, I think. Uh, mostly all just the stuff off the Lifehacker site. Um, but I decided to go with the quad core just because I figure, apparently, you know, it got very good reviews in terms of performance. And sure enough, I got it in there. It's, it just, it screams. Like, it works really well. What model is it? Uh, it's the e, uh, Q6600. So that's the in- Intel Core 2 quad. Uh, 2.4 gigahertz. Uh, I got the G0 stepping. I don't really know what that means, to be honest. I think it's better than B3, but anyways. Um, so yeah, it's been good. Uh, took a few days to get OS X onto it. Um, I had a few issues because I was running my CD-ROM drive off of IDE, and they recommend using SATA. So really, if you're gonna if you're gonna attempt this project. Uh, I think it works as long as you choose one interface. If you go with ID hard drive, ID CD-ROM, and make sure all your jumpers are selected or to cable select or whatever, it, it should work out just fine. Or go with uh, e, e or not eSATA, but just SATA uh, on both ends, and you should be pretty good. Of course, you're planning on getting a SATA drive in the future. It's just yeah. you're getting it in stages. Yeah, no, the most I, critical you know, components. I was just trying to build it as quickly as possible, so I didn't have a, a SATA optical drive or anything like that and i still don't have you do need a proper gpu uh it will um it'll boot as long as you set uh if you if you don't have a compatible graphics card that they've listed on the osx86 uh site you can still install um the only issues that you get basically whatever the standard sort of vesa compliant uh, graphics resolutions for your card are. Which is basically every card. I mean, it'll support the basic graphics mode. Right. So, I mean, I have a fairly... Like, it's a pretty good card um, compared to int- integrated graphics or whatnot. Um, but it does... Uh, what is it? Well, it's 1280 by 1024. Um, but it's there's no acceleration. And the thing with OS ten is they do take advantage of a lot of those GPU features. So they take advantage of... Uh, the ability to p- 
pass a lot of graphics instructions off to that graphics card. Of course, the advantage of OS X is that it's very scalable. I mean, you can run it on an ancient Mac with two megabytes of, of graphics if you happen to have one. But uh, I suppose it doesn't support, uh, you know, hacked PC hardware as, as well. Uh, it's actually pretty good. I've, you know, in in browsing around the site, uh, the support site, it's it's osx86.org, and then you can sort of go on. There's a wiki and there's a forum, and you can. It has this weird sort of Matrix Revolution style, you know, choose a but choose the blue pill and choose the green pill. It's kind of weird. Anyways, but uh, there's there's some interesting. Uh, I think if you go with Tiger. You can actually run it on pretty low end hardware as long as it, the key here is just to uh, that you have SSE two. Um, I think with Leopard you definitely need SSE three for the most part. Um, but overall, if you're ready to just sit down and spend a few, well, a good you know ten hours of just fooling around with it, figuring everything out, and, and doing your homework online, it's definitely a viable project. I wouldn't say, I mean, depending on what, if you're buying. I bought pretty much the same stuff they recommended on the on the site on Lifehacker, and it it didn't really build that great. I mean, it, there were still some issues, and and you, if you're gonna sort of skew away from from his plans, you probably will get different results like I did, um, and it's really not gonna be as easy. So you do, you do need to be able to sort of, uh, just be patient and and really, not get not get discouraged when you have to, you know stare at the blinking cursor for about an hour so you know it's pretty neat i spent about you know one day i probably rebooted the machine like 30 times and just like you just keep rebooting it takes quite a while to just to get to the installer so it's you need a lot of patience to get it going so they've been working on the project for a while but it's still not as easy as installing it on a real mac i remember trying to install it on my uh, dell latitude d620 here and it's sort of wasn't that great? Although it's weird because my my laptop ha- has very similar hardware to the new black MacBooks, but hey, didn't work really well, so I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, what sort of issues did you run into? Basically, it would just like take forever to start up, and then like not install for one, and then after like when you tried booting it up, it would tr- just give you the Apple screen like forever. Right. Well, what happens is that um, if you the trick is to get it into verbose mode is to when you start up that dvd or you start up the hard drive you just add the v flag the dash v at the boot prompt and that'll tell you exactly what's going on and you'll notice that when on the, on your first boot on a normal apple dvd you might get you know it it boots up pretty quickly but with this uh with these alternative dvds they are loading a ton of different hardware drivers um, that are be, have been patched in, and so that really takes the the most of the time. Uh, it's is patching everything, it's getting things going, and that takes quite a while. Particularly because you know the DVD has been modified, so it's searching all over the DVD. You definitely like I had sort of an older DVD drive, and it was sort of giving some read errors. So you really want to have and a, also make sure that the burned copy is properly. Yeah, that's one issue I ran into. I had I had it all ready to go. I thought it was ha- and sure enough I hadn't checked the checksums on the DVD that I had. It it, it it the zip was was integral, but once for some random reason the unzipper had created a corrupt ISO and it, it wouldn't burn. So uh, you definitely need to double check it at uh, those checksums for anything you download. Uh you know, it's it's probably a good idea. Um, yeah, but you just got to keep uh, keep going. Um, 
install issues. I mean, a lot of things that, it, or that one of the common issues that I had and that and that other people have mentioned was uh, is just the the hard drive controllers. It it is very picky with those, um, and so you need to either set it into compatibility mode, or uh, which is where it emulates an IDE right, device. Right. Emulate an IDE device, and it, it seems to handle that pretty well. Um, However, for better performance, you should put it into HCI mode if possible. That would let you enable the unit well, to take advantage of the features of SATA, like native command queuing and all that. Right, and I think in terms of speed, there isn't that much big a difference because, like, when I check um, the speed on once I'm in OS 10, like it, it's I'm pretty sure I have it in legacy mode, but it's still accessing at the 3.0 gigabytes per second, so it's it's pretty good. As for the processor, you've noticed that it sometimes shuts off certain cores if you're not using it or something like that. Right, that's just the speed step on Intel. Uh, all the Intel processors, I'm pretty sure, ship with uh, speed step. And that's basically, it's going to limit, um, you know, I don't, I, I'm, this is basically a theory of mine. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but basically, you can, uh, the temperature monitors, when I'm idle, will sort of go to dash, dash, dash. Um, so I think it, I, I don't know if it just shuts down the, the temperature sensors or if it shuts down the whole core. Um, but it'll, I think that's the speed step in, uh, in action. So it's pretty good. So and maybe that speed step for quad core, it'll shut off a, the, the other two cores and turn to a dual core computer for a while for the time being. Uh, not, you know, I, I don't know if it, it's dual core. Like it, it'll start right up as soon as you start doing something more. Like it's, it's smart enough to do that. But, um, anyway. So uh, yeah, so graphics is is a must-have. Make sure that you're compatible because I I wanted to run iMovie and and different applications that take advantage of of what's Apple is called Quartz Extreme, and that's basically using the GPU acceleration. Uh, and you'll you'll want to make sure that you have a, a card that's compatible with that. Anyways, all all things said, the, a few features of of OS X that I got to finally test out now that I have more than one Mac in the house uh, is the transfer. Lepre- Transfer, uh, yeah, you know, Bonjour works really well. I just connect up. It's got dual gigabit on this motherboard that I have, and so I just plug in my Mac, and sure enough, it just shows up. There it is, JQuad MacBook, and I can connect files between the two. But I've noticed that the screen sharing is really, really, really good. It's based off VNC, but I don't know what Apple's doing, but it's really fast. And I haven't really quite tested it from outside the network too much. I have tested port forwards and all that, so I, I should be able to ch- make a connection at some point. Um, but it, it, it it's really fast. It's really efficient. And a lot of configurations, it's basically based on Apple Remote Desktop, so it's pretty good. Anyways, that's enough about OS X86 for now, about JQuad. Uh, go, go back to the official Apple hardware. <laughs> yeah, go back to the official Apple hardware. Apple's, of course, released the MacBook Air, uh, I remember sitting around waiting for the updates. Yeah, I was pretty intense there. I was really into it. Uh, checking the Mac, MacRumorsLive.com is a great source for live coverage of the Apple Keynote. Uh, <coughs> pretty neat stuff, the MacBook Air. I thought, you know, overall my general impression is it's a great second Mac. And that's really my sort of this final decision on it. Is, is if, you, if you have a nice desktop at home, if you have a, you know, a power or not a power mac but a mac pro or or uh, even just an iMac at home and you just you need to go out on the road quite often uh it's a great way uh, of doing things um they've you know i know they've been working on this for many many years uh you know i can remember back they were talking about optical drives that were sort of 
recessed underneath and that would sort of slide out. They have these patents for on that. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool things that Apple has been developing. Things like, you know, it's lack of Ethernet. You know, that's really an important feature for, you know, w people who are on the road. Uh, you know, a lot of times there might not be Wi-Fi. The hotel might only be wired. They need to plug in. Um, and so I guess well, one of the things for the MacBook Air is that they want you to use adapters for everything. Like basically, if you want to have video out of any kind, nothing supports micro DVI. So you're going to have to have adapters for that. You and know, basically it's, it's saying the, if you want Ethernet, use USB, but use the single USB port yeah. that you have. I think if there's two USB ports, it might even be, you know, uh, passable as somewhat appropriate. But the one USB port, you know, the mini v DVI, like it's just it it's just too little IO for me at least. And there's no firewire. There's I mean, no firewire. I mean, if you're going to limit your your input output options, I would I would say like it would be better to have one really high bandwidth expansion so you can yeah, split that Yeah. Have something and and USB just isn't it, you know. End of story sort of thing. Like I mean, USB it's good, it's great. It's very it's universal, like whatever. But I mean, <laughs> like really it's not that fast when it comes down to it. And I was expecting Apple to do something. You know, they could have done something innovative with the network jack. Like, they could have, you know, had some weird recessed thing and it would just pop out or whatever, you know. Or, you know, for firewire. I mean, I guess the concept is the MacBook Air, always wireless. Uh, I really think they could have... They could have done a bit better, but well, you know it's I quite an accomplishment yeah. to to make the thinness that they have done. I think they, what they were going for was thinness with a usable size screen and keyboard. Yeah, it now, was thinness first, right? Yeah, that's right. Basically, that was that was all they were going for. They're going to do it like the iPod and have the integrated battery pack, and basically have a. a they tried to sell it as a full fledged computer. However, it was just uh, really limited by its lack of I/O, especially for the price range. I mean, some people are actually looking for a sub notebook that that's not a primary computer. But I mean, I don't think it's worth eight thousand eight hundred, which is about the price of a MacBook, right? Yeah. So I mean, there you go. That's that's the MacBook Air. I think in general that is that is sort of the response, and I think it's great to have a nice little sub notebook that Apple, you know, ba it's good to have Apple back in that range. I think. Uh, in general, in history, you know, the, the little power books they I guess they can just say they, they did it for doing it, like just they did, tried out the Newton for a while. You know, they're trying it out, and, and you know, I think people are going to go crazy for it, just like the MacBook, just like all the other stuff. Like, I think people... There's always going to be people who are just going to buy it just for the sake of buying and saying, hey, look, I have a MacBook Air. It is, yeah, exactly. And I think there will be a lot of people like that. And But I think, yeah, you know, spaces, again, thing like, like a hard drive, I mean... There's no reason there. I mean, I guess one of the things is like I don't think the 160 gig at that uh, uh, size form factor uh, is really that stable. I think you know people are complaining that you know well the iPod you know they do 160 at that form factor you know in the iPod. Well, the iPod isn't storing all your computer data on there. Uh, yeah, iPod is designed to like sync with your computer if you it know, dies or yeah, anything. Yeah, it has your music. If it dies, okay, you know you send it to Apple, they give you a new one, whatever. If your if your hard drive dies in your notebook, you know, time machine or not, it's not a good thing. So I mean, having that high density one twenty gig drive on that on that one eight one point eight inch drive, I think it's just a safety safety thing on Apple's part. And I think partly they also you know they want to keep the cost down and at and, that size, I would definitely go for the solid state. Drive, yeah, and keep it to yeah. Well, the solid state. I mean, it is limited in storage though. I mean, you only have sixty four gigs, and with OS ten and everything, you're you even limited even further in terms of, of free space but um solid state is definitely a, a good plan um 
anyways, moving on. Do you have anything last thing to say about the MacBook Air? No, pretty good. Okay, so uh, I think we talk. Well, let's talk about the uh, our digital cameras a little bit first. Um, over the holidays, Kevin got a new camera. Do you want to talk about that? Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's the Olympus FE three hundred, and uh, basically I got it because it was cheap at Future Shop. It was one hundred ninety nine, and basically the the twelve point zero megapixel sort of brought me in. And I know it's not about the megapixel count or anything because it's it's really small. But like, actually, that's one of the things. It's really really thin, and also uh, I like having a built in rechargeable lithium ion battery pack. Now some people really hate having a rechargeable batteries because then you can't just go into a store and buy it but i think if i just keep it topped up it's going to be good for a while because it's lithium ion now um so it's compact camera and with like with most most compact cameras they're getting rid of the optical viewfinder so the only way to stare at things is through the lcd which is good then i guess they have more space to put the lcd here and um well it's sort of I guess it's a, it, a compact camera. It's pretty low end. It's like point and shoot. Uh, the best mode it has is program, which is which lets you set a right. And, and usually uh, these compact or subcompacts, they don't really have any advanced features for controlling aperture, shutter speed, and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can you can adjust ISO and and white balance and all those normal things and exposure. Um, it has really good super macro, which is important because I always take pictures of things really close up. And, uh, okay, one thing I hate about the manufacturers is when they make their own memory card specifications, okay? Because, like, no one other than Olympus and Fujifilm use XD. I guess the advantage is that it's just, like, NAND on chip instead of of something like SD or Compact Flash, which also has a controller chip on it. But, I mean, if they can make it small, then I guess they can make it small. Yeah, you know, it's it's this whole XD thing. I mean, I've got... To, uh, I've got an Olympus and a Fu- I just I'm going to talk about in a sec about the uh, Fuji film I have, uh, and they both use XD. XD is pretty good, but it is a pain. You know you, the card readers aren't as common. Uh, you can't. You know it's sizes are actually if you read up on the spec, the sizes aren't that are pretty limited in terms of. You know the, the whole thing's a bit of a a joke, and I I sort of do wish you know. And actually, on Olympus's high end cameras, they do include um, compact flash and XD, so it's not. You know, if you want to go the Olympus route, you're not totally limited to XD, because uh, I think they do build fairly good cameras. Um, but yeah, XD is is a bit of a pain, and I, I think I do prefer SD because it because of the convenience of of just being able to and throw it in anything, and and also because it's SD is an open standard, which means like lots and lots of manufacturers are right, free to exactly. make things for it. Yeah, and uh, I mean with SDHC on, on its way, like I think it's pretty pretty. It's going to be have a really good capacity. Yeah. Like XD right now is like highest you can get is two gigs. Yeah, I think it. you know SD is definitely definitely the future for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, either way, I okay. So this camera has a three XD, which is pretty standard for for subcompact cameras. If it's right now, actually, I'm actually sort of surprised that they got any kind of zoom into it. But that's good. That's pretty good. Um, as for video, it's not too horrible. It can do proper 640 by 480. However, it is limited to limited to uh, 30 seconds, which is sort of disappointing. But mm-hmm. um, you won't be getting much uh, video on a on a memory card like this, and I doubt it could handle like that well. But um, 
other things I'd like to see is a is a standard USB mini B or A port. It has a it has a sub miniature USB port, which is sort of industry standard. It's better than Kodak, which managed to invent their own USB port, mm. but it's it's not as widespread. Although it's not exactly rare either. Battery life is very good. I've never I've actually never had a battery empty message coming in off of it yet. That's because I always throw it back in the charger when I'm done, when when I'm done with it, because basically that's a good idea to do with lithium ion. But um, okay, well, when I say there are no not many manual features on this, uh, there are sort of manual features, but it's, you can't directly control it. If you want slow shutter, you're gonna have to go into like scene modes and guide modes, and it'll automatically configure it that way. But then that's the only way you can access it. But otherwise, I mean, it's pretty small, so that means I can bring it with me everywhere, and uh, it has decent image quality. Better than all, any of my cheaper $100 cameras that I've had before. Yeah, it's good. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to... I think that that's a, an Olympus thing, that they they only record 30 seconds of video, and it's kind of annoying. I think it has to do with the XD speed, actually. Well, actually, this like the cards that I have right now is, a, is an M-type card, and apparently the H-type cards are supposed to be faster, but apparently they don't exist yet. <laughs> yeah. So, well, anyway, so that's XD for you, you know, folks. If you're wondering, well, okay. One one advantage of XD is that it's it's uh, electrically compatible with smart media card. If anyone well, remembers whatever. that. Well, whatever. I mean, who uses smart media? It's sort of ridiculous. You I mean, know, okay, you're, you're if, right. Yeah. XD is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you're going to buy a camera nowadays, my, my parents bought a Canon. It's very good. Um, you know, Olympus isn't bad. Uh, and I've had some success with one. I, I have an Olympus SP320. Uh, you know, AAs are not the way to go, I'll be honest. Uh, I just got a CRV3 from Kevin here, and it, I think if you're going to go with the AA models, you're going to just have to pony up for some good lithium ions uh, or a CRV3. Which is, which is lithium. Uh, Lithi which is uh, lithium you as can well, get, of course. You can get rechargeable CRV3s, however. It's not really standardized. I mean, like, a rechargeable CRV3 from one manufacturer might not work with the other. So you right. want to get so it you want to buy from the company that uh, makes the camera, right? It, well, sometimes that's not possible. So you just want right. to get the charger and the battery in a pair. Right. So, I mean, sometimes these compact... Well, it, there's a subcompact and compact. Sometimes compacts are only have... Uh, the double A's. So, I mean, sometimes you're stuck with that. So, you know, definitely invest in some lithium ions. Nickel metal hydrates aren't that bad, but your charge, your your flash isn't going to recharge too fast. And, and, and generally, it'll just sort of die on me. The thing about nickel metal hydrate batteries is that it's, it's got a lower voltage, like a lower right. nominal it's, it's voltage. It's 1.2 volts as opposed to the, the usual 1.5 in alkaline. Mm -hmm. However, it has a flat discharge curve, so it might work for a long time on that 1.2 volts, but exactly. things are always going to be lower, lower, especially with the, like the SP320 is designed for lithium batteries. Right. So exactly. it has a higher voltage threshold, which means that if it's 1.2 volts and you, you say you get like uh, 2.4 volts out of it, then it's it's always going to be below the 3 volts that it's expecting. Exactly. So it's, it's going to give you battery empty pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, I was going to just talk about my F440. Um, I re revived a camera that we... I originally had a for a youth group and it just sort of ended up lying around because we didn't we lost someone lost the charger for it so uh it's been i i decided it's really compact camera like I, it's really tiny uh takes pretty good pictures it's fuji film uh xd 
uh, rechargeable battery. Battery just goes forever. That's what I love about that thing. It just goes. I can put it in my map sack. It's not too heavy. Uh, and I've I've used it a few times already. And we're working nice. on a USB charger, which yeah, means we're gonna, that you can actually right now, use it anywhere. Right now, the anywhere. way I charge it is because you need five volts, and it's so it, the charger is so picky. Like it won't take five point six or you know four point five. It'll just sort of flash red at you, telling you it's not enough volts or whatever. So in fact, if you try to plug it in, like, uh, so I'll plug it in. I connect it through this sort of like wire, you know, some alligator clips with a plug in and a USB. But if you plug it into like a hub or anything beyond direct five volts, like you can't do anything. You have to go right into the computer, get direct five volts, then you can charge the thing off off USB. So it's pretty cool. Uh, so Kevin's gonna sort of build me a proper cable than the alligator clips I have right now. Anyways, uh, so we can continue on. Uh, talk about um, January autoblog. clearance items. Oh, okay, sure that. Oh yeah, I was just gonna okay. Talk we'll about. go about the autoblog. Yeah, um, autoblog is a revival of a project that we did in uh, that Yuri did. Yeah, I did like uh, three years ago. Was it really three years ago? Three or two years ago. Yeah, I guess because back at home. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. So uh, we're sort. It was an awesome project because basically, um. It was just a PHP random generated thing, but different from that, it uses JavaScript to always load it from the server. So uh, apart from being awesome and scrolling lines of text in your browser, it also generates tons and tons of hits back to the server. I mean, there's no Basically, real purpose of this. an automatic distributed denial of service in a box. Yeah, exactly. Uh, using JavaScript. Uh, so now, if you want to, if you want to DDoS our server, you know we've got a useful tool right over on autoblog.htr.net. You can also go to autoblog.htr.net/stats right. and check out how far we've gotten. And uh, right now, we're probably we around have a gigabyte or something. We got about a. It's kind of lame. One million hundred forty-seven thousand two hundred hits up to now. So. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Anyways, uh, so that's the autoblog. Um, we just decided to bring it back just for its coolness yeah, factor. Yeah, for its coolness factor. Kind of useless, pretty hilarious. Check it out, autoblog.hdr.net. Uh, so let's talk about the... Did you get anything for boxing day other than the camera there? Uh, no, not really anything on boxing day. It was yeah. pretty... I was on pretty... vacation, and I bought my J-Quad, so I didn't really buy anything else. But there is... you know. But I mean, I mean, boxing day was not spectacular this year, because everyone was going for TVs, TVs, HDTVs all that stuff and basically they weren't getting really cheap because everyone's going to buy it right. especially the economy so is pretty good here in Canada again. right now so I mean you know, they're not going to really put any things on sale even like places like Princess Auto I mean the sales are nowhere like what they used to be like there aren't any sales right. anymore so it's a bit, uh, it's a bit ridiculous but January's a bit good when the yeah, stores are very quiet exactly and, I was going to just mention that you know for those of you who don't want to go boxing day shopping Go January shopping. There is no one in the malls. I, like I go into the stores, and it's just dead. Like there's no one there. It's unbelievable. There's no one there, and everybody's doing inventory, so they're trying to sell off everything. And if you want to get good deals and stuff, you can go in January, and sometimes you'll get better deals than you will on Boxing Day. So, mm-hmm. for those of you out there, you know you're probably freezing your butt off if you live anywhere in Canada, but. Um, it's worth going out in the malls and you can probably get some good deals. Actually, out there. just this week in Canadian Tire is having a giant sale. Yeah, there's and, giant uh, sales everywhere. Mm-hmm. So be sure to be Actually, sure to check those out. Actually, in February, yeah, it's really common for people to be developing their basements. So right now, something I notice is that uh, all the electrical equipment is on sale, which is pretty interesting. You might want to pick up some uh, 14.2 Romex at this time because you know copper is really expensive right now. But right. you can save 20 bucks on on your 75 meter rolls and try it out. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to talk about. 
Well, just before uh, we talk about some other random things that I picked up today, uh, I just want to take about Final Cut. Uh, I've been learning Final Cut over the past few months, um, and I just want to recommend checking out your keyboard shortcuts. If you've been learning, tr trying to learn Final Cut and am just sort of like, you know, I keep using the mouse, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's some really good keyboard shortcuts like F9, F10, uh, and it basically saves you a lot of time once I figured that out. So just wanted to shout out. And you got the PowerMate? Like I Griffin? got the PowerMate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two things. Oh, right, of course, and the horrible product review I have to give out. Uh, okay, first of all, PowerMate is awesome. It's from Griffin. It's basically this little knob that you plug in via USB, configure bolt to do anything, and you just like scroll around, and it's awesome. I actually, the most thing I've used it for is just uh, reading articles. When you're reading in Safari, it's just great, or whatever browser you're doing, it's just, it's great to be able to just uh, sit there with your knob and just turn it as, you, as you're reading. It's really just a natural way of scrolling. Uh, I find it's like you know. You like it better than two finger. I on like the it better than two fingers on the trackpad because I can sort of stretch out and I don't have to be you know, you know, fingering over my trackpad. Um, and also, it's better than the scroll ball because a sc or, or a scroll wheel because it's not a scroll. A scroll wheel isn't continuous. It's ridiculous. It's actually quite a terrible invention. You have to keep moving your finger over the scroll wheel. Anyway, so this knob is beautiful. You can just turn it, and it's you can use it as a video jog dial. You know, it's completely customizable. Like, it's ridiculous how much customization you can do. You can, so that, you know, when you're in mail, you can scroll through and it'll check mail when you hit you know, hit it. And so there's bump and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, really cool. Check it out. It's uh, Griffin Technologies that sells it. It's the PowerMate, about 45 bucks. That's good. It's uh, made out of lathe aluminum. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a high-quality product. Like so it's basically, it might last forever. Like, with plastic things, you're going to trust Oh, touch yeah. Pads. No, it's, it's no out. plastic or anything. Like, that's not going to wear out anytime soon. It's a it's a solid product. Oh, and it glows blue. It's pretty cool. And you can turn it off, and you can set it to glow quicker and slower. And when it sleeps, it'll glow and all this. It's pretty cool. Uh, okay, so that's the PowerMate. Um, the other thing is... Uh, Replugs? Replug. Okay, this was on Dig or something. Um, and it's like replug.com. Basically, they market as sort of... Well, I don't think they market it as such, but sort of, you know, it, a lot of people compare it to the MagSafe. Uh, and it basically, you plug it in. It's a, it's a three and a half inch or three and a half millimeter uh, headphone jack uh, connector. And it's basically designed so that when you tug on it, it's going to disconnect so that you don't sort of pull your laptop down when you stand up or whatever. It does not work at all. You pay like 20 bucks for these things. You get them. They're like this little piece of plastic that's clearly it's, it's shipped from China. You know, it's got this beautiful packaging and all these nice little instructions and this cutesy website. But they're selling you a piece of plastic it broke within like two times of me trying trying it out. It doesn't work. You just like plug it, like you you tug on it. It's got this sort of like you know turny plastic thing. It doesn't even disconnect where it's supposed to. It just sort of like rips out from the plug. You know your headphones from the plug, and it broke. You know the little plastic bit that wasn't supposed to detach detached. So it's a rip off. If you want looking at the replug, if you're thinking about it, don't. You know, it's you think you think, oh, you know, it's just like the MagSafe; it'll work beautifully. Except it's not magnetic. It not, it's not magnetic. It doesn't work properly. Definitely, 
a no buy on this replug thing. It's completely out. Well, the issue is that uh, the the there's a one end that plugs into the the headphone port, and then there's the other plastic end, which is the jack, which connects to whatever your other listening device is. Right. And uh, basically, the the jack end plugs into the into the headphone port interface thing, and, and instead of ripping off cleanly like the MagSafe, the MagSafe is wide magnet con- contacting and those are magnets with the with the, with the co- electrical contacts like. Uh, it's it's under the magnet, right? Yeah. The replugs they're they're sort of inside it, and when you pull it, it's always going to put lots of strain on the actual thing yeah. that connects, yeah. that physically no. connects. It's both it's, them it's together, not so. designed properly to be pulled off properly, and I don't know if this is just sort of like they engineered it. It worked really well in the lab. They sent it off to China, and they're producing crap now. I don't know what it is. Point is, it doesn't work as advertised. Don't buy it. Okay, so there's two last things we just wanted to talk about quickly. Um, apparently, there's a Trojan for the iPhone. I heard this on Security Now, uh, which is a great podcast, by the way. It's uh, Steve, Steve Gibson and Security Now on Lila Laporte, twit.tv slash SN, I think it is. Um, they're talking about how the iPhone has a Trojan virus and that it's like really bad to remove. Uh, I'm just looking up on ZDNet. The other thing is that Windows Vista has this... Re- or, sorry, not no, Windows 2000 through Vista has this really bad like security flaw. It's over IGMP, which is uh is a sort of multicast um multicast, yeah, multicast uh protocol and basically Windows you can send a single malformed packet to uh a Windows machine sitting on the internet and you've instantly compromised that machine. Um, so it's a pretty big issue. Uh, you definitely want to get out there and get your security updates from Windows Update. Um, the The worst part about it is that if you're online with your window without a NAT router, of course, you, if you're behind a router, no big deal, uh, no rush really. But you should still get Windows updates. But the issue is if you're directly connected to the internet with a public IP address, um, even with your Windows firewall enabled you are still vulnerable to this attack. So it's a pretty big deal. Um, if you're out there on the Windows side, uh, definitely want to check that out. It's Windows 2000 through Windows Vista, so you definitely want to get that fixed. So basically anything under the anti-infrastructure. Uh, uh, yeah, and even though Windows Vista stack got got uh, rewritten, um, it still seems to be vulnerable to that, to that issue, so... Mm-hmm. Well, the software developers have to balance, uh, like the fact that you can use things versus security, and always, there's, like, there's always not really something that you can, like, there's not, there's no perfect balance between them. But anyway, I think it's a really big problem here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, as for this iPhone issue, um, I think this is mostly just with, oh. It's actually a uh, modmyiphone.com with an F. Definitely want to avoid that, I think. No, that's not it. Anyways, point is uh, you want to be careful with your iPhone. Don't want to be downloading uh, hacksies or whatever that that aren't very valid. You want to make sure that uh, you're downloading the real deal if you're going to be updating your iPhone because it could be a Trojan. I think that's everything. Is there anything, any other topics? Well, that's, you well, that's what that's what basically Apple is trying to avoid when they want to close platform. They didn't want exactly. people making you know, things that's for exactly it. Exactly. Now like people are making happens. things for it, and then you know everybody. And that's 
that's what you know Steve Gibson he has an interesting uh point about open source uh, he he has a ton of great utilities um that do a lot of that do a few quick tests on your computer and he writes everything assembler and and he's he's quite proud of his work um and I think he'd really like to sort of share what he's doing because he does some neat stuff and he likes to share what he's doing um but he doesn't do open source because he doesn't want um people to down, to get the source code and basically make turn into a virus and then sell it or or market it as, you know, Steve Gibson's utility download here sort of thing. So this way his his code is all secured so that it checks back itself that it it's it's all been signed by him. Um so that's a that's an interesting view on open source that if you open source it there is a chance that people will modify it, make it malicious and market it as, you know, the original, which can, which can be a bit of an issue, so uh, and that seems to be what happens with the with this iPhone uh, issue. So, so I think we can uh, wrap up this week's. I duck think that's podcast. everything. Duck podcast. We'll be back next week with. Uh, Actually, probably won't be le- next week, but hmm. eventually we'll be back. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, actually, yeah, we're gonna be together next week, but. Oh right! Of course, next week we we will be doing another episode. We should be. Mm-hmm. Uh. So that's it for this week. I'm Joel Adria. Kevin Lau here. This is the Duck Podcast. 